This is the OK Outcast Podcast, your home for Oklahoma political intrigue and insight. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of OK Outcast. This is your host, Brittany, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris. How are you doing today, Chris? Hey, it has been an eventful week here in Oklahoma. Yeah, in Oklahoma and the country. Uh, lots been going on since the last time we talked with everybody. Uh, Oklahoma primary elections were Tuesday, and there's been just an amazing amount of news coming down between uh, Congress and the Supreme Court. So imagine we just want to jump right in today. Um, let's start with the primary elections on Tuesday. Uh, what would you say is uh, the biggest surprise for you in, uh, in Tuesday's Oklahoma primary results? Well, uh, I was actually really pleased with everything. Um, uh, well, not everything, but most things. But as far as surprises go, Anastasia Pittman um, former state rep and senator, uh, ran for county commissioner. She was an underdog, but she took it. What's yours? Uh, my big surprise was uh, Gintner Drummond in the uh, attorney general primary, knocking off our current uh, attorney general, who was handpicked by Governor Stitt, John O'Connor. Um, Gintner Drummond has been kind of a perennial gadfly candidate who you know, often, you know, doesn't really win or, you know, get a big chunk of the vote. Um, but, you know, this time around, he had what it took and uh, snuck out a victory in the primary. And if we're going to have a Republican attorney general, from my po- point of view, I'd, I want it to be a Republican who's, you know, more focused on doing the job right and less focused on trying to score political points. And I think, in that regard, you know, the people of Oklahoma are the real winners out of that race because, you know, whatever your view on Mr. Drummond, he's, you know, been pretty clear that he wants that office to be focused on upholding the law and focused it, you know, on what the law is and not be, you know, just a political tool. So um, I think that's a big win for the people of Oklahoma. Yeah, he eked that one out by... 0.88%. So he won by 50.88%. That's a narrow win. But if you look at the vote count, it's 183.38 v. 174.125. So uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, was, it he, was real close. And, you know, Drummond is probably very thankful that there was only the two candidates in that race so that he's not having to do a runoff <laughs> oh there'll be plenty of those and we'll get to that here in a minute um my super favorite thing speaking of people that are elected to do what they are supposed to do cindy bird for auditor inspector cindy bird is a republican but her only concern was uh she like her predecessor uh gary jones they they care about spreadsheets they they want to make sure the books are right and it was gratifying to see that she won by over 70 percent 
because yeah she really um, cleaned up in that race it was like really not even close yeah i mean a 70 that's a landslide yeah and uh, uh stephen devil uh stephen w mcquillan um <clears throat> I got plenty of mail from him explaining how from the auditor inspector's office, he would go against the Biden administration and really take him down, even though that is not even remotely what the Oklahoma auditor inspector is supposed <laughs> to do. So, Wait, so the state auditor doesn't get to take down the president? <laughs> I mean, I guess he could run for president, but uh, I don't know that he would be successful. So the least surprising thing is Stit one. Uh, uh, it's what everybody expected. Um, yeah, I, I as we were talking about earlier this week, I think um, while there's you know, certainly within the Republican elites and, you know, the Republicans at the Capitol, there is a lot of displeasure with Governor Stitt. But, you know, I don't think a lot of voters around the state are really that in tune with all the Capitol gossip to really have strong feelings like that. So I'm not particularly surprised that he, you know, breezed through to to winning that primary pretty easily it, it it is weird we we call it being in the bubble uh over at the capitol aka the marble whorehouse uh, <laughs> and yeah so the insiders know that uh the house hates the senate the senate states hates the house and they both hate the governor but that does not matter to voters. They don't give a stit about that. Yeah, that's, that's I think, pretty accurate. <laughs> so uh, Labor Commissioner Leslie Osborne is going to face a runoff, but she's definitely going to take it because she got 47.82. Uh, next up was Sean Roberts with 38. Uh, to seven uh i think osborne's going to keep her seat i certainly know i'm going to be voting for her yeah and leslie osborne somebody i have you know personal connections to um when she was still in the legislature um you know i i lobbied her personally in her office a, a few times to help stop some of the crazy anti-trans and anti-gay bills that were going through uh, the legislature. And she was always uh, a friend to um, the Oklahoma queer community and um, has been, you know, somebody who's been on our side and trying to stop some of the crazy. So I'm, I'm really glad to see that she was able to to pull so much of the vote, I would have liked her to not have to even do a runoff. Because even though I you hear you saying, "Oh, she's got it," like you know, it really depends who shows up that day. So <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure uh, yeah, I'm sure she'll work hard to make sure her her base shows out, though. Absolutely, uh, Mark Wayne Mullen actually did not take it 
for U.S. Senator, which kind of surprised me. Um, he 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 did make the runoff, and he will probably win. Uh, but I was the... I made a joke on on Twitter the other day about um, how Mark Wayne Mullen and T.W. Shannon, like I can already see their runoff ads. Like I love Trump more than you do. No, I love Trump more than I even love my family and my plumbing business. <laughs> uh, yes, I would sacrifice my nine children or however many he's <laughs> produced. Uh, so let's talk about the clusterfuck that was CD2. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's funny uh, you said that. I just scrolled up to these results. Um, this is the one that I one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen candidates running. Um, yes. No candidate took more than thirteen points or fourteen point seven four percent of the vote. Um, and we're gonna have a runoff between two people who neither hit fifteen percent. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, and we could talk about how the primary system needs to be changed. But Mr. Fricks, and while well, I vehemently, vehemently hate the video he put out that was anti-trans, he, like so many people, I mean, I know the man personally. He doesn't feel that way. And... Uh, People are saying shit that they don't mean. Uh, but Fricks really backed me up on pension issues when I was working on those issues in the state legislature. Uh, so I don't know. I have very conflicted feelings because well, you're one well, of my his, best friends. Well, his, his opponent, Josh Brasheen, is... Um... Let's just say he ha has deeply held beliefs against all of the queer community in Oklahoma. He is an outright Christo-fascist. So, you know, as much as I don't like somebody, you know, playing with hateful language just because they feel they need to to get elected, like, I'm much more bothered by somebody like Brasheen, who I know he deeply holds those beliefs and will go as far as he can to, to hurt uh, minority communities. So do you want to ask me what my favorite race was? Well, real quick, before I ask you that, um, you did kind of mention this is a great race to, to kind of talk about an electoral reform issue. Uh, okay. yeah. for, for me, you know, this CD2 race is a perfect example of where ranked choice voting would be much more beneficial to the voters. Uh, because here in this runoff, more than 70% of the district will have voted for somebody other than the two people in the runoff. And one thing, first thing on ranked choice voting is we would already have a decision, like we'd already know who the winner is. There would be no need for this additional runoff race in August. And second, it would have allowed people to pick their, you know, second and third favorite choices so that 
you know, it's very possible we would see a completely different candidate emerge uh, as the choice of the district. So I just think this this current system is does a disservice to voters by, you know, leaving leaving uh, the two people who neither could get to fifteen percent. Now suddenly one of them is going to get to represent this district. Uh, that's that's I don't think fair to voters. Well, the problem I have with ranked choice is New York City switched to that after talking about pizza for some reason for a while. Um, and um, it took them forever to do the vote tally. Like, yeah, that's I, because it's New York City, though. And New York City has its own issues and problems. Um, I voted in one of the very first ranked choice voting elections in the country. Uh, back in the early 2000s in San Francisco uh, when I was going mm -hmm. to law school out there. And, you know, they've been using it for, you know, almost 20 years now. And I think it's been very successful there. They Sometimes it does take a day or two to get results if it's a really tight election um, because they do have to, you know, they have to run the computer to pick through all the first and second choices and whatnot. And sometimes if it's close, they have to then go double check some of those. Um, but, you know, it's it's been adopted in a lot of places now in Maine. Um, uh, seven cities in Minnesota have adopted it for their local elections. And another benefit of that, I would like to see it done in conjunction with doing away with um, doing away with party primaries and just make them open primaries. Um, I, maybe you wouldn't even need a primary, just have everybody in one election and let people pick their first and second and third favorite and see who comes out on top that way. And I, there's a good Freakonomics episode that goes into how it, it helps to push people more to talking about what a majority of the voters care about um, because, you know, you want everybody to like you. So there's less less spending time on the negative and more spending time on, you know, even if you're running against somebody, um, you don't want to necessarily trash them too hard because you might need their supporters to pick you as their second choice. And so it promotes a little more civility, I think. Well, that would mean uh, Secretary Xerox, who is already overworked and underpaid, because he is primarily, first and foremost, Secretary of the Senate, and secondarily, Secretary of the Election Board. Um, they don't have a huge staff. <laughs> um, Oh, yeah. And, and obvi obviously, you know, this would have to be done in conjunction with some other changes. But I really just wanted to get the conversation started and get people thinking about it, because as we're entering this time of great political instability, I think it's good for us as voters and advocates 
and anybody who cares about our democracy to look at reforms that might be able to help us get to a, a better place. Well, I'm always down for discussion. So now can we talk about my favorite race? Yes, let's talk about your favorite race now. Well, it's not even in my district. It's in Payne County, HD 33. And I ran the mail program for this particular race. And uh, John Talley, um, we got a little over 52% of the vote. And we ran an entirely positive campaign. We didn't talk about uh, shitting on abortion. We didn't talk about anything other than uh, you know, and they went after us pretty hard on uh, the fact that he said he's against, he voted against and made a debate on the House floor against open carry. He was one of the only Republicans that voted against it. And he's a gun instructor. And his argument was, you know, the first thing I tell my class is if you draw your firearm, be prepared to shoot. It's not to be brandished about. Um, and so he's pro gun safety, which is for some reason wildly unpopular. <laughs> he uh, is. I don't know if it's wildly uh, unpopular with Oklahomans in general, but definitely wildly unpopular in a Republican primary. <laughs> and our opponent, uh, Chafin, just went after us all negative, all Trump, all the time. And we won with a positive message. Can you believe that? That is great news. Um, it's great news <laughs> for Oklahoma that they're keeping uh, a rational voice in the legislature. Um, and it's, you know, it's great news for you that you, your candidate you were working for got the victory. That's always a, a nice, a nice feeling when you can kind of pat yourself on the back for and, you know, I, yeah. it, it's also, you know, it also shows that, you know, one of the ways that Oklahoma can potentially get back to a sane government is for sane moderate republicans to run in these primaries and just be proudly sane and moderate and be okay with it and let the chips fall where they may well i'm proud of the mail i produced i'm proud of john talley i'm proud of his uh wife and her sister um we all work together and um, my partner in crime, Jed Green, uh, did an excellent job as he always does managing the field program. And uh, if you ever want to get into politics, just know a lot of it is you're kind of a therapist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, hey, I was for you, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's fun, <laughs> funny you mention that, you know, to, to the listeners out there. Part of the reason Chris and I became friends was when I was running for the state legislature back in 2010. Um, Chris was uh, working at the Democratic Party at the time. And he kind of came up to me after an event and you know, approached me about how I was running the campaign and told me some things I didn't necessarily want to hear. At first, I was kind of offended, and we spent, you know, an hour or two arguing about stuff. Um, But as I got home that night and started thinking about it, I was like, you know, the fact he spent that much time discussing this with me and, like, kept arguing... That tells me he actually cares, that this isn't just him trying to rain on my parade. And he was one of the only people who wasn't just clinging on to me to to get near cameras and try and get in the spotlight and just telling me what I wanted to hear. You know, he was telling me some hard truths. And, you know, that blossomed into he was a, a good person to lean on and get advice from in that campaign. And... Uh, blossomed into quite a friendship that lasts to this day. Well, I completely agree. If you want a sycophant consultant, I am not the guy you should hire. (laughs) I will tell hard truths um, because if if you want sycophants, uh, you can get them for free. But no, if I'm going to charge you money. I'm going to give you hard truths and I'm, I'm not going to back down from them. And that's just my perspective on politics is, uh, you know, I, I would argue that that was a problem with the Trump administration is nobody could give him a hard truth, which brings us nicely to federal politics, which is (laughs) your arena. (laughs) Goodness. Well, start off with some good. Um, The gun safety legislation did pass with several Republican votes in the U.S. Senate. Um, Toothless. It certainly isn't, you know, it isn't going nearly far enough on gun safety, but the fact they were able to get anything through with some Republican votes was definitely uh, a victory. Um, I know my senator, Klobuchar, um, worked very hard on this. One of the things that it closes was the boyfriend loophole, which apparently, you know, the the only VPOs that counted against you getting a gun previously was if it was a spouse. Um, So now it can be even just like a dating acquaintance or... You know, anybody you get a VPO against, it doesn't matter that they weren't your spouse um, that can still be used to hold somebody up from getting a gun. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen that's a through line in almost every one of these major mass shootings is there does tend to be um, a misogyny and a hatred towards women involved in a lot of these shooters. And so, um, you know, stopping people who are clear woman haters from getting guns is, you know, probably not a bad thing, and it will likely affect some things on the margins. Will it stop every mass shooting? No, but 
Um, I think it does make a positive impact, and there's good reason to go ahead and get it done while we can. Well, I, I would completely agree with that. Uh, I think the real solution to stopping mass shootings is legalizing prostitution. Um, <laughs> you because, know, there, there is probably something to that. <laughs> yeah, these gentlemen that can't seem to get laid, uh, I don't know, the hate just builds up inside them. And, um, these incel but, types. Yeah, I know. They, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. That's why I say this, this, you know, this boyfriend loophole was a thing because there is, you know, some of them do actually get some woman to, to be with them for a minute. But then, you know, when that woman real sees the red flags and realizes I need to get away from this guy, that's when they snap. So, um, you know, I'm really I, I really do think it will be helpful. Well, are you meaning to tell me that if your girlfriend breaks up with you and you're heartbroken and you're feeling sad what you're not supposed to do is go kill them is is that what you're saying yeah that's probably not a good idea <laughs> no and listen i will be perfectly honest i've uh had my heart broken before um Luckily, I'm with a wonderful woman who I'm married to now, and, uh, you know... But you didn't threaten as, any previous girlfriend with guns or violence because they didn't want to be with you? <laughs> no, I just went and, like, cried in my beer. Uh, but I, I think that is a key, is, like... Um, and also if you break up gracefully and none of our listeners need this advice, but I'm going to say it anyway, if you're cool about it and you don't cause a temper tantrum, um, which we all have once in a while, I think we've both seen each other do it, um, then word gets around if you ask a woman out and she says no when you take it gracefully and say cool yeah. she has friends probably <laughs> that will uh, no like uh, no he's not a creeper so if that word could get out just don't like you know take a uh, well, no, I don't want to say that. Well, well um, we we do talk to each other, and uh, yeah, don't uh, don't don't be crazy, and we'll you know we'll probably you know say something nice about you down the line. <laughs> uh, so obviously, um, so, so we've got speaking of crazy. <laughs> How about and, that Supreme Court, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Well, we now have a black woman on the Supreme Court, so I guess we do. Win. So there, there is a mixed bag. Uh, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, sworn in uh, on Thursday, yesterday, June thirtieth, as soon as the previous term officially ended, and 
Justice Breyer is officially off the court now. But we also saw what I would call the most destructive term of the Supreme Court to American democracy that I've seen in my lifetime. Between overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, which was purely a political decision and not based on good case law, not based on any real principled um, interpretation of the law, between that and the case of the football coach who was praying at the 50-yard line um, after games and having the team pray with him at a public high school. You know, that overturned decades of separation of church and state case law. Um, He's not praying on the 50-yard line to engage in some personal private prayer. Praying on the 50-yard line is intended to get attention and send a message. And the message being sent to the members of that team, there was even testimony from the trial court level of players who said they felt their playing time was impacted based on whether they prayed with them or not. And the majority of the court chose to ignore all of that and just come up with their own set of facts that indicated he was merely praying privately at the end of a game when he was on his off time. (laughs) Which, it's not your off time. I I played sports in high school, and even though the game's over, you still go back to the locker room. They're still talking about the game, debriefing, you know, talking about how we're going to respond to either a win or a loss. So the idea that this was just some private display of his own faith and not an evangelism to try to force his evangelical views onto public school students. Um, That's just bogus. Um, But this court is making clear that they are very pro-Christianity, and they will go to great lengths to come up with decisions that enforce that on America. And that puts us in a really scary place. And then to top all of that off, Um, It was announced yesterday that the Supreme Court is taking up a North Carolina case using a, uh, that's going to test a legal theory that's been proposed by John Eastman, who was star of the January 6th hearings for, uh, you know, famously trying to come up with a legal strategy to support the coup that he wanted. And it basically is saying that North Carolina should have the right to have its legislature decide federal elections regardless of what the voters might say. Um, The fact that the Supreme Court's even taking this case up is very scary because they could easily have just said, there's no way we're taking this. That's a ridiculous theory. We don't even need to touch this. So we really have... Uh, a court that's out to do some great untangling and then add to that the EPA decision that basically undercut the authority of agencies to uh, to be able to use the power that Congress delegated to them. It's just a mess. It's unraveling decades of law. and You were completely undiscernible there. Sorry, that's- we're... Uh, it looked like my connection went out briefly. Um, 
just the 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 decisions between the EPA case, the abortion case, and the school prayer case. You know, the the Supreme Court has undone decades of law to to come to uh, uh, decisions that are going to allow what I call Christo fascists to impose their will on states in this country. And that's a very worrisome time for us at the Supreme Court level. I could not agree more. Well, uh, I know we've got to uh, conclude our show today. So it sounds like you have a fun activity for the weekend. Yeah, me and an old friend look like we're going to go down to uh, do some go-kart racing. Um, probably down in the Dallas area. So that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure all my all our listeners know my, my love of racing. So, <laughs> Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. And... Uh, what do you got lined up? Uh, so uh, this 4th of July weekend, we are doing a yard maintenance, which is desperately needed and has been neglected from uh, my end, especially. So my wife and I are going to um, just get in the dirt and uh pull weeds mow the lawn so so you're very... gonna so you're gonna go from having rolled around in the dirt in politics all week to getting in the dirt in the backyard at home this weekend that is correct ma'am <laughs> well that sounds uh, fun anyway is are there any fireworks you'll be able to see from your house uh sometimes uh from our second story, we can see some fireworks. Uh, it used to be we'd go buy fireworks and set them off in the backyard, but it's been dry lately. And uh, I would just advise everybody, you know, uh, fireworks are dangerous if it's dry. If, if the grass is brown, don't light it down. Um, I think that's you, some good advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but don't burn hope, Oklahoma down, y'all. <laughs> yes. Don't burn your neighborhood down. Don't. Yeah. Just <clears throat> most people that don't know what they're doing should stay away from doing fireworks you'll hurt yourself you'll catch shit on fire and i have heard numerous stories of uh personal stories not just on the news uh of people getting hurt real bad so um yeah it well at a certain person's wedding of whom which i will not name um this person wanted sparklers set off at their wedding to walk in between and <laughs> a kid got hit in the eye with some of the sparks like it was 
anyhow, uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave all further details out of that. Um, I can see and... so much going wrong in a situation like <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, children waving sparklers around. Well, then you maybe have a long dress that's maybe dragging on the ground with sparks landing on it. <laughs> it, 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 it was stupid. Um, and, but anyhow, uh, yeah. Um, I hope uh, you have a great 4th of July weekend and um, don't get into a wreck on the go-kart track. Sounds good. Yeah, y'all have a good weekend too, listeners out there. Follow us at OK underscore Outcasts on the Twitter machine. And um, you're at Masterman OKC now, so uh, go go follow Chris as well. Um, he's he's trying to learn the Twitters as well. And um, and you know we'll be back with you guys probably next week. Um, and. Uh, you know, while there's a lot going on, both good and bad, all we can do is keep plugging away and trying to trying to make things better where we can. So hang in there, everyone. We can't give up. And let's just uh, keep rolling. Absolutely, Brittany. Keep calm and carry on. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Happy 4th, everybody. Later. Later.